Our Heavenly Father, we are dependent upon you for every blessing. We look to you now for our brief time and pray that we may know blessing through your word, by your Holy Spirit, for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Well, uh, we've uh, been looking at the teaching of Jesus as guided by those that selected the passages for us. We've thought about the importance of uh, the attitude of our hearts. We thought about the authority of Jesus, heaven and hell, compassion. And now another truth that had been forgotten in Jesus's day. Even better known, perhaps, than the Good Samaritan is the story that we usually call the prodigal son. But there are three parables in this chapter, as you will have noticed, and they belong together. And together, Jesus is teaching us about how repentant people are welcomed by his heavenly Father. The first parable is the lost sheep. One lost out of a hundred. Jesus told the same story in a different setting in Matthew 13, 18, probably thinking of a backsliding member of the kingdom. Here the story has a different point. Next comes the lost coin, one of ten, each one being the value of a day's wage for a laboring man. Then follows the boy that went off the rails, Initially, one lost out of two, and by far the longest story of the three. So why did Jesus tell these stories? Well, we know that already the Jewish leaders were at odds with Jesus. They didn't like his teaching. They didn't like it that he didn't follow the tradition of the elders. And of course, he didn't like it that he called some of their practices hypocrisy. Now, they were taking issue with the fact that Jesus was mixing with people who were not strict Pharisees or observers of the law. Tax collectors were those collaborating with the Roman occupying power and sinners, in, in quotes, should, uh, were not necessarily those living totally disreputable lives but they were not following the ways of the Pharisees and the scribes or Sadducees. And a strictly religious man would have nothing to do with them. And Jesus tells these three stories to teach them what their God really thought about ordinary people who were repenting and turning to him. What kind of people is God looking for? The lost sheep can indicate foolishness, lack of forethought, weakness, aptitude to stray. Leave a gap in the fence and the sheep will be sure to go through. That's its character. The lost coin can portray someone who is totally unaware, unthinking, ignorant, unable to do anything to save himself and uh, well, doesn't even know about that. The prodigal son is a person willfully rebellious, having wrong ambition and values and determined to go his own way. The closing verses of the chapter 
come back to the opening ones, the grumbling of the Pharisees and scribes. The older brother clearly represents these proud men, so confident of their righteousness and despising those now turning to God. They hadn't liked it that uh, many had wanted to be baptized by John the Baptist, showing their repentance. And they were just as hostile to the way Jesus would receive people and take meals with them. Isn't it easy to criticize their self-righteousness? It's a very human trait. Sometimes it's unconscious, but we are not immune. God has changed us in the past and he is going on. He needs to go on changing us. Yet we can forget what we were as we look at others. We forget what our old way of life was and what it might have led to. Self-righteousness is never very far away. And constantly we need to echo the words of the Apostle Paul. By the grace of God, I am what I am. What's our big thought for the day? All three stories show our God to be a seeking God. Even in the third story, although the father doesn't go into the far country to look for his son, yet obviously he's on the lookout for him and he sees him when he's still a long way off. And unusually for a man in that culture, he runs to meet his son. If the Pharisees had understood their Old Testament, they would have known that God was a seeking God. Yet, even more obvious in these stories is the rejoicing in each case. What did he say about the sheep? Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99, quotes, righteous people who need no repentance. What about the coin? Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Similarly, there was a feast and a celebration when the son the father thought was lost came home. Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. You can hear the excitement. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The son is forgiven. There is complete reconciliation. And the story tells us even more. He is restored to sonship. He has a place in the family. He's not back as a hired man, as he had hoped for and was going to suggest. The robe, the ring, the shoes, the celebration, all point to the fact that the father is welcoming him as a son. He's back in the family. He says, this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's leave the story and think about real life. What happens when we come to God? We repent, we mourn, 
over all our sin and wrongdoing. We ask forgiveness in the name of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. What happens? Well, we receive complete, deep down forgiveness. It's given to us freely and ungrudgingly. What did Jesus say? There's joy in heaven over a sinner that repents. It's complete and entire. It's forgiveness for all the sins we confess and all the sins that we can't remember. No sin is unforgiven. And just like the sun, this wonderful blessing is unearned and undeserved. We are reconciled to the great and glorious God that we had offended. All the barrier that was between us is gone. We don't suddenly become sinless, but we are forgiven sinners. We are accounted righteous. And there is rejoicing in heaven. I think we all know that, don't we? But we have to say it, this is what happens when we come to God. And the technical term is justification by faith in Jesus. And this is the foundational blessing of our salvation. The primary, fundamental blessing of the gospel. Nothing can replace it. All guilt gone. No condemnation. We have peace with God. But there is something higher or more wonderful in terms of our relationship. Morris, it says your speaker is not uh, working. Uh, are you hearing me all right? Yeah, okay, thank you. It says here, your speaker is not working. <laughs> okay. Yes, what, what, is, what is even better and more wonderful than justification? Well, it's something that builds on justification. It is that God adopts us right into his family. Remember the son in the story was forgiven and reconciled with his father. And then he was restored to his place as a son. And this is God's intention for us. The Apostle Paul said, God sent his son to redeem those who were under the law. Yes, that's our forgiveness, our justification so that we might receive the adoption of sons. To all who receive our Lord Jesus, says John, those who believed on his name, he gave the right, the authority, to be the children of God. Again, the Apostle Paul, for in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. And that is an amazing privilege. We're in God's family. We're given a new identity. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, says John again, that we should be called children of God. And then he adds, and so we are, even though the world might not recognize us. And so we are, he said. This is real life. We're in a family with a glorious, loving, wise, heavenly Father who cares for us never leaves us or forsakes us. He will watch over us and guide, teach, discipline us in his good providence. He's bringing us to glory. Even when we fail by mistake, 
or on purpose, we never lose our place in his family. He will always deal with us on the basis of our being in his family. What a blessing. This has many implications. I remember Isaac Watts' uh, couplet, in him the tribes of Adam boast more blessings than their father lost. I just want to pick out three simple ones. When we think of our fellow Christians in church, they're brothers and sisters in the same family. We're all saved in the same way and we all have the same Heavenly Father, no matter what our gifts are, what our backgrounds are. We're all on that level, but we're all welcomed into the family. It's good for us sometimes to take time to think about the other members of our church in these terms. When we come to the communion table, it's not just something between us and the Lord. We do it together, and it reminds us of our belonging together as a family. When we hear about the need of, uh, when we hear about the need of other believers, those in need, we need to remember that they are family, and uh, we help members of our family when they're in need, aren't they? We haven't got time to think of any more. Let's finish with this. Let's think of God's amazing welcome to all who come to him through our Lord Jesus Christ. His welcome to me. Ungrudging. Not reluctant. Let's think about complete forgiveness and reconciliation. You know when God reveals something about your own heart that you hadn't really seen before, he's already forgiven that. You're his child. Let's remember that we really are brought right into his family, his household. He is my heavenly father. This isn't just a bit of Christian doctrine. It is real life. That's what I am. Let's remember what he's done for me. He's done for every believer in our Lord Jesus Christ, his family.